Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. All right, welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Kate Hart. Kate is a literary agent at Harvey Klinger Literary Agency, as well as a YA author herself. So, Kate, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So tell us, where are you in the world right now? I know that there's a lot of agents in New York, but I want to say, I believe you're in Nashville, correct? I am. I'm in uh, Music City, Tennessee. I work remotely from Nashville. I love it. And I travel to New York several times a year. And how um, does location for an agent, how important is it? You know, you said you lived in Nashville and you work remote. Is working remote the same thing as working in New York directly or how does it affect you? It is a little different. Um, Definitely being in New York, you have immediate connections and can immediately meet with editors. But I like being remote. Everything is electronic these days. So it makes it really a lot easier. And so when I go to New York, I spend a week meeting with as many editors, kind of jam it into a week. Whereas I think agents who are in New York do that a little bit more leisurely. So I think that's probably a difference, but I think anymore being remote is, uh, especially I think with the cost of living in New York, having the ability to be outside of that. Um, I think it helps for me being able to kind of be here. Uh, and there are some publishing groups here in Nashville as well. It's a little bit more on the Christian side, but that's still a connection that I can make with other editors who are based still in New York. And how does one, uh, were you in New York before? Were you, have you always been based in Nashville? How does one get a job uh, working remote as a literary agent? I have actually, I've always been in Nashville. Um, kind of the joke down here is that I am a true native. <laughs> um, so not very few of us left anymore, but I looked for uh, remote internships. Several years ago, there were a, a handful of agencies that would accept interns to work remotely. A lot of intern work starting out is reading slush, uh, reading queries, possibly reading full manuscript to do a reader report. And that's very basic internship work that can be done remotely. So that was sort of what I looked for when I got started was who could I gain the experience? Because so many, and of course this was over five, six, seven years ago, everybody was still in New York um, and very not really looking for remote interns. So to find the few that did was great. And that's what I did to get started. And so we frame these episodes in themes. In this case, I would love to find out what it means to be a literary agent, to find out kind of what it is that you do, talk about your role, and then also get some advice for aspiring writers about how they can find an agent and you know things that can help them in their careers. Are you cool to kind of school us on what it means to be a literary agent? Yeah. Awesome. My first question is, for you as a literary agent, tell us the difference between a literary agent and a talent agent. 
because I know there's a lot of confusion that happens when people talk about it. So could you tell us what the difference is there? A literary agent focuses on a novel, on the written work, as opposed to managing talent, a person, or even a screenplay. I, I don't deal with screenplays. And so a literary agent is going to look at queries from authors with a completed novel or a proposal for a nonfiction project and take that work. And if it really resonates with them and they can see a place where it would fit in the market, they'll take on that project and they'll work with the author to get it uh, submission ready. The hope is that it's already really close to being presented to editors. And then we will take that out. And a literary agent also works with the author on building their career. It's not just for one manuscript, but the hope is that you are going to work with an author through their career, through the ups, the bumps, ups and downs and things like that. And talent agent, they're working with the, someone who probably their product is themselves, uh, as opposed to with literary agents, they're working with the book. That's the product. And do you specialize in a particular type of authors or do you represent all authors? Are there certain genres that you prefer to work in? I represent all. I love working with debut authors. And that to me is fun because they sort of come with sort of a very open openness to uh, publishing. And so it's all very exciting and new for them and taking their first baby project and working it and into submission ready format. And I work with uh, seasoned authors as well. And it's very different. It's sort of managing, okay, what's the next step after we've maybe published and need to choose another track or find another career path. So, but I work with all types. You mentioned the query process. Um, Obviously that's a very integral step in which a an author reaches out to an agent and hopes that they'll bring them on board to work with them and help get them work. Tell us about the query letter. What are some things, <laughs> is there a secret to writing a query letter? What are things writers do right? What are things writers do wrong? Sure. So I think there is a formula for a great query letter. It tends to be, you want to uh, tell us about your character who your main character is. You want to introduce just a bit of their ordinary world, which is what starts the story, and a little bit of their characteristics. Then we want to get information about those main plot points. So what are those major conflicts? And then the stake. And to me, I think that that really sums up just, it seems small, but it's about two or three paragraphs about your story. And I can usually tell when I get an author with a query, and that's sort of the formula. Um, and then what makes it stand out are going to be like some keywords that really uh, express the theme of their story. And to me, those are the best queries. You know, you kind of look at them and you can tell. <laughs> and, and generally, that story is going to fall in line with that query. As far as what's probably not the best thing is I don't need as an when I'm reading a query to know the major themes that are going to be hit on. I don't need to know a whole page about the author. A few things, if you are published before, what those were. It's nice to know a background if um, it's going to inform why an author is writing the story or have the proposal for a nonfiction project that they have, but it's not the most important. The story itself and what you're 
going to be expressing is most important to me. Is there such a thing as it being uh, too personalized to you or not personalized enough, as opposed to it maybe being more of a generic kind of, you know, to dear agent kind of letter? I definitely think a dear agent uh, (laughs) to general is probably shows someone who didn't do any homework. As far as too personalized, I have received some that have been just a little too personalized and it, and it feels, it could feel a little awkward. If you were to mention maybe an author that I represented and you had the same genre and it was very brief, it was just like, I saw you represent this. And so I have something that fits in that genre that you may like. To me, that's, I think, all you need when you start getting into, I know you went graduated from this <laughs> school and, and they're like in Hawaii. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Never been to UTK. That's a little bit too personal to me. And it doesn't connect to anything in the story or what I represent. So I think there is a fine line and you can see where it's goes overboard or where someone you know just didn't put in any effort and if you can find just that right in between that i think that's good are there other qualities about an author who is hoping to work with you that you take into consideration based on you know maybe their social media presence that what they've done before their accolades that kind of thing for fiction social media presence isn't as big of a necessity as say nonfiction, where that might be part of the platform for what they're writing. And I deal more with fiction. So I, I do look at social media. It's nice to have it. And it's good to have a foothold, to have a start, because once you have a book deal, you are going to need to make those connections. You are going to need to be able to network with other authors. And because I firmly believe that books are sold by word of mouth. And the way that sort of spreads is having a network to start with. But it's not necessary to have at the querying process. It's just, or to be super active. If someone has, you know, three or 4,000 followers, it doesn't, it's not going to weigh into the query. I'm going to look at the story. And a good story is a good story. And that's what's going to sell. And I believe. When you find a query letter that you're like, you know what? I like this. I want to explore, you know, working with this author a little bit more. What are the next steps? Um, I imagine they would send you a manuscript and how far along should that manuscript be in its development as far as before it gets to you? With fiction, it should be complete and it should be as polished and ready to send to an editor as possibly as it can, because it is a, it is a very competitive Uh, market. So the best that it can be is going to only help an author. For nonfiction, you want a complete and polished proposal and maybe a sample chapter or three. For graphic novels, uh, because I do represent those and it's a little bit of a sort of in-between world, a script. You want to have your script ready and polished at least up to, I believe, the first couple of chapters of that graphic novel. And then a a really well-polished synopsis proposal for your graphic novel. If you have an illustrator, you want to have several panels that are ready to go um, and polished. And then some slides that show the development. 
As far as working with that author, you said you, you'll work with them to kind of get it to the point, pitching it to publishers. What does that initial phase look like where you're working with them trying to get that manuscript from, let's say, really close to actually ready to submit? When I read the manuscript, as I'm making the decision whether to make an offer of representation, I will start to make notes. There are overall general overarching notes on plot and characterization. And if the author and I decide to go into the partnership together, then I take another deeper look at the manuscript and make notes. And I send those to the author. They work on polishing the manuscript. And then we may do another revision of line edits. That's sort of just the fine tweaking of the language and the narrative. And then we will send out to a select list of editors that feel will best represent the work, something they're looking for, something to add to their list. And I think it's a good personality match too. Let's say you send it out, the manuscript to an editor, the editor likes it. What's that next step? When you, would the three of you then work together to develop that manuscript and get it to the point where it becomes the finished book? Does the author then work with the editor more directly? What is your role once it gets to that phase? I sort of take a step back uh, at that process. I've sort of done the matchmaking and I allow the editor and the author to have those book revision conversations and sort of let my author know. And as editors usually kind of realize the role that the agent will play at that point is to sort of be a mediator. If I need to step in on behalf of my client and say, okay, maybe this book cover isn't quite getting it, or I get to kind of be the bad guy (laughs) (laughs) so that it keeps the author and the editor in, in sort of the neutral zone. And they are able to continue working together while I handle anything that may arise. And let them have that relationship and, and not be a strife between them because something like, ah, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the mediator. <laughs> what is the ideal outcome when you have a, a manuscript you feel really good about, you connect the author with the editor? What are you hoping? What's the, is the ideal outcome like a JK Rowling's uh, situation? Um, is that <laughs> something, uh, you know, because obviously I imagine you're working with multiple authors, you're working on multiple books. What's like a best case scenario? What are you hoping for every time? Oh, yes. Every time. Take her all James Patterson. I think, yeah, that's probably the, the superstar marquee <laughs> idea. Um, but I think just a, having an author connect with an editor so that they work well together and the next project that's down the pipeline, that editor snags. And, you know, you know that the you put two people together that are just it's a cohesive unit that's working really well. And you just are able to get that career path going. And then then you go over here and you and you look for the next JK role. <laughs> <laughs> as far as when the book gets to a finished place, what's your role in that? Are you then working with the author to and the editor to help get it to like a promotional phase? Are you involved in setting up the author with interviews, these kind of things? What is that next phase when the book is ready to be 
released to the world? Because different, there are different levels, I guess, you know, kind of this person may hit a level with the publisher and they get a lot of marketing and there may, you may have a mid-list author or mid-list or an author who's probably going to be top of the list for the publishers. So I help fill in the gaps. I ask for, once we sell a book, um, part of that is I have requested to see the marketing plan. A lot of times it's very general, but I like, that's where I like to stay involved with the editor and with the publisher and the PR team is to see what's going on. Because I do realize that not every author gets the same marketing and PR as, you know, someone that signed at the same time they did. And so where I can fill in those gaps is what I try to do. But if I need to, I try to help set up interviews or a blog post with an influential blogger or reviewer. For the most part, the, the best of those are going to come from the publisher. So I'm feeding ideas to my client. And even a client who had phenomenal uh, marketing out the gate, I fill in the gaps of, okay, what do we do? What do we do now that the book is out? What are those next steps? What can, what can I help you with? What ideas can I give you? What should you be doing now that we have the book out? We have a Publishers Marketplace Star or Publishers Weekly Star Review. What are those next steps? What can you be doing? What can I be doing? What can we ask from the publisher? So that's sort of kind of the, the hat that I put on once a book is sort of sold and out the gate. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. The Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Alan Christian. I'm Gerald James. And I'm Lacey Day. And we host the Four Color Film Podcast. What do we do at the Four Color Film Podcast, Gerald? We watch and dissect every comic book-based film. Lacey, do you still like being here? Yeah, it's really great. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and wherever else they have good podcasts and podcasts like these. You sound like a kidnapping victim. (laughs) Also on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network at Flickering Myth. along with other great shows. Check us out and check them out too. Thank you. Hell Zane. Hell Zane. Hell Zane.
You mentioned earlier networking with other authors. What does that look like for an author? What's the, you know, what can they do when the book is coming out to really build a relationship both in the industry and also outside their own, utilize their own network? Sure. I think there are several different levels and I think it depends on the comfort for an author as well as uh, financially. I always suggest a conference. That's not always financially feasible, but conferences, whether they're local and they're small or they're national, like uh, Romance Writers of America or, uh, you know, the World Con for the science fiction group. If you can make a conference, that's to me the, the pinnacle. That's the best way to meet other authors because you will meet authors that are at the same leg of the journey as you are as well as you will run into authors who are big names and just connect with them. It doesn't always mean instant gratification of, oh, so-and-so is going to do a blurb. But when you meet someone in person and you have those conversations and you, you know, sit and drink coffee in the little you know your <laughs> relaxing spot of a conference, you will make a connection that will pay off in the end, in the long run, I think. So conferences are great. You know, not everybody wants to be online and on Twitter or Facebook, but that is a good way to meet other authors, um, follow, follow some of them and see how they're interacting and pick up hints and, you know, interact with them online. That's a, why so many of them are there is to interact with their readers and with other authors. You mentioned uh, part of your relationship with an author is building their career in the long run past that first book. What does that look like? Once you finish that first book, what is, what's the next conversation? Is it like, okay, should an author be already working on that next story? Or do you start working with them on that next story? They should have already been working. <laughs> I, I believe that it's like to take the stress of the submission process off of your mind because uh, I'm sure you've probably heard publishing is a lot of hurry up and slow down, hurry up and slow down. Right. So during that sort of that, it can be a long several month waiting period uh, to hear about the manuscript that's on submission. She'll be working on the next project. And when I have a conversation to start with, when I offer representation, I ask, what else are you working on? Are you wanting to stay in this specific genre? Are you writing YA, but thinking about writing adult romance or, you know, whatever those ideas are. And we generally have a conversation about what they're working on next. And we kind of go from there and decide, is this, is this going to be saleable? Is this going to be a good follow-up to the first novel? Is it going to stay within your brand? Because brand is uh, a conversation that I talk with my authors about as well. As far as you specifically as an agent, as far as how you compare to other agents, what specifically makes you different? Whether it's the types of stories or the authors that you choose or the or maybe your working style, what would you say makes you special or different than other agent? That's so hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is like the job I, interview question. <laughs> I would say I because I started as an author first. And I kind of get it. I've been, I've been in the query trenches. I've been represented. I've been on submission. I kind of approach, have that approach of kind of understanding and sympathy and empathy with, with a client. That's sort of my base. That's where I like to start my base. So 
you know, I, I gotcha. I understand. <laughs> and, and then because of that also, um, I'm very editorial. And so I will, I will work with a project that I think has the potential and then we will, we'll work it until it is phenomenal. And, and an editor can't say no. <laughs> and, and I think that's the other thing is I, I take on projects that I, I believe in and I get them sold. So I always come with a game plan. I've got plan A and I've got plan B. And my clients, all of them have, you know, I, that's what I've said. So we have a plan for this project. And if it doesn't find a home here, we're going to tweak it and we're going to take it here. And so I, I like to, you know, I, li- I like, that's kind of me. <laughs> so you listed some skills um, and some qualities about yourself that set you apart. What are some qualities and some things that would make for a good author who, what can they do to kind of help you during the process of working together? I think knowing that publishing is a business and knowing the ins and outs of the business and knowing to have, you know, have the high hopes, but, but know that there are, you know, kind of limit those expectations. Know that you may have a fabulous book that sells, but you may end up um, in the midlist, which is not bad. That's great. And then be open to suggestions because everyone that's going to touch your manuscript loves that story. And every suggestion that they have for you and for your book is to, to only see it grow and to be meet its potential. And those people have all seen the potential in you as an author and in your work. And again, just I think being open. I'm I'm pretty I'm a very open person just by nature. Uh, so I try to be very transparent when I talk with my clients and even with authors that you know are pitching me at a conference. I try to be very open, and I I like that reciprocated from my authors. Let's be open. Let's communicate and talk about what might be a problem where you are hitting a roadblock. We'd love to talk now about the authors themselves. As far as when they start to look for an agent, is there a particular method that you would suggest for where they should start as far as where to find the agents? Should a certain type of author stick to a certain level of agency, so to speak? I think the best place to start is with, I think, Query Tracker. And there's another one to look online. That's a great resource that will give you an idea of what the agencies and the agents here in the U.S. I think in the U.K. too, um, and it'll give you a, a really brief overview of what what that agent is looking for, if that's going to fit. And there's just there's tons of online resources you can find. Uh, I think Janet Reed has Query Shark that'll help you get your query in shape, and it also has a lot of good information just about the query process. That's a good place to start. And my suggestion with querying, and I think I've seen other people say this, and it, it is sort of coming from an author background, is send your query in a small batch. And I would say hit some of those agents that are like your dream agent. This, is, this agent represents the author that I love the most, and, or their agency does. Um, or this agency has great track record with subrights and film rights and this is where i want i see my project going and also a couple that maybe 
they're newer agents um, or it's a little bit more of a boutique agency to get a feel and get the feedback because a lot of times I find that those first queries are not quite where they need to be or the pages aren't quite where they need to be. And that gives the author the opportunity to, to tweak instead of kind of sending their query to everyone all at once, you know, have a decline and not have a chance to adjust their query or adjust their pages to really make an agent sit up and notice. Next question regarding the authors themselves. We recently talked to an editor at Del Rey who suggested that authors, once they get their first book deal, should not quit their jobs instantly. Would you suggest that? And how do you tackle those hard-hitting financial conversations with authors? Because obviously we know that it's not always the most profitable at first until you kind of build your brand. I, yes, I, I agree. Don't, unfortunately, <laughs> don't quit your day job. Because there, it, is, it can be a slow start. You, to give yourself the ego boost that you need to get out the gate to actually query, you're going to have those visions of being the next JK Rowling. And you should have that. That's sort of, that's, you know, the, the fuel to fire your motivation. But have, again, sort of those lower expectations that that may not be the case. And so, you know, and it's, it's difficult to have a full-time job and to write full-time and just find that time. And I have had those conversations with, my authors because I don't want them to quit yet. <laughs> you know, get get a couple of books in because you can always you just never know, I think. You can maybe hit a list with the book or hit the mid list and and your career can have ups and downs and unless you have something really strong a strong safety net there, you know, keeping a job for a while until you've kind of hit the plateau and you don't need to worry about the ups and downs that, you know, your name has become as recognizable as, uh, you know, Patterson or whoever. When you have a book that's a hit and it does quite well, are you involved in any conversations, whether it be licensing or developing that book into other mediums? Are you involved in that process or? Oh, absolutely. Harvey Klinger works with, uh, foreign rights co-agents. So we already have that established. So we're kind of working that out the gate. And the same with film. We have connections with uh, co-agents in film. And and then the licensing and things like that usually are going to come once something has sold to film. And then we just kind of work that. uh, And and games, too. Some some projects naturally lend to, to video games. Or uh, or a graphic novel adaption. So those we're uh, always making those connections. They tend to take a little bit longer because um, those markets are going to kind of look at what the book does initially and the reactions, and then then they'll sort of have that conversation. So it's not an not always an immediate thing, but it is something that always working on. Lastly, regarding. Um authors themselves. What is one piece of advice or learning from your career working with authors that you would like to pass down if you had to choose one thing for aspiring writers? Find a good critique partner or group and treasure them like gold. Your critique group, your critique partner is 
your, not only your sounding board for your work, and you want ones that you continue to work with because they will get to know your voice and, and your and your brand. They will know you and they will know how you how your brain operates when you put together a manuscript and be able to help, you know, keep you on track if your plot goes off in the wrong direction or the characters aren't working the way that they should. But they're also your cheerleaders when you're you know, in a low spot or something didn't go the way you would hope and sort of just your sounding board for everything. It's the post to kind of airing dirty laundry on social media, which happens. Um, your critique group and your critique partner, that's, that's your sounding board so that everything, you know, you can keep more of a professional on the, in the social media in the fake, you know, out facing world. But you have someone that you could pour your grievances into or listen when you need that. So that's my advice. Have a great, and a great critique group. The next phase of the interview is what we call a series of seemingly random questions. Are you uh, ready for some seemingly random questions? I am. All right. The first question is taken from your Twitter bio. In it, you refer to yourself as a kid wrangler, a galactic princess, addicted to the Foo Fighters, and need more cowbell. Do you mind uh, telling us more what the, those things are all about? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a preteen and a teenager. <laughs> and so getting kids into cars to, into a car to school is a little like herding cats. So that's Funny. where uh, Kid Regular comes from. Galactic Princess, I am first movie I ever saw with Star Wars. Wow. And Princess Leia will always be like a hero to me. And just even more so with the new movies. Foo Fighters, <laughs> uh, that is, um, when I was in college, the Foo Fighters were my angst music. So when I'm feeling a little angry, I will throw some old school Foo Fighters on and just feel my angst through the music. And I've, I've seen them many, many times in concert. And, uh, and they're just, they roll. I, I also think he has like one of the best personalities and i strive to be like that because he's you know no nonsense and you know but he also is self-deprecating and knows when to have fun and knows when to be serious about work and so that's sort of my my drive for my own um my own work work ethic and uh more cowbell <laughs> that's that's sort of but that is my that's like my little agent piece it's like more cowbell you need more more emotion in your story, more character layers. <laughs> nice. Love it. Next question. If you could take any writer living or dead to any fast food restaurant, which writer, which restaurant and why? William Shakespeare. And I would take him to Hattie B's to have some hot chicken in Nashville. <laughs> Love that. Um, William Shakespeare, because my background is theater and what i concentrated on the Shakespearean plays and just a fascinating person. And I truly believe that some of the greatest plots that we continue to see today, he expanded on because I know they came from a lot of the Greek and Roman playwrights, but you know, just to sit down with, with Shakespeare would be very fascinating. <laughs> I love it. Next question. What's one thing that people get wrong about literary agents? What's a misconception that you want to set straight? 
that that some of us don't have a, a second job to support. Similar to authors, agents work only, or we only get paid when our clients uh, sell a book and they get paid. And that we're sort of available 24-7. I do make myself available as much as possible, but you know, we deserve to have sort of a, our own self-care days and things like that. So probably that, that, you know, I think we're sort of seen in a, as a gatekeeper, and, and I hate that word, in a, a higher pedestal position when we're, we're pretty human and in this because we love books just as much and reading and story as authors and as editors. The next question, you're a YA author yourself. I have a couple questions regarding that. One, what are you working on? Is there something we should look out for? Two, is that common for agents? I think I've seen it with some other agents that we've uh, been in touch with who are also authors. Is that a common thing? Is there any conflict of interest there? Like, Walk us through how an agent is both an author and an agent. Uh, so I'll answer, kind of go in order. So <laughs> I, I, write, I write YA, technic- probably fantasy and historical fantasy. And because it's two different brains to write you're kind of, I guess, in your right brain and the more creative side. And to be an agent, you're in that editorial revision left-hand side. Um, so switching can be a little difficult. So I, needless to say, I'm uh, just kind of still working on a project that hasn't gone out yet. <laughs> so um, it is becoming more common. There are a lot more uh, agents who are published as well as representing other authors. Um, I have some, you know, really great acquaintances that are doing that. And it's, um, I think it's becoming more common. And I think because so many um, people in publishing, uh, I've, I've found editors who do it too, that also write, you know, we love words. We, that's part of why we got into it, into the publishing business. And I think, uh, too with as you have more remote agents as well i think that probably the thought is uh i need that second a second income to supplement my writing or so they're sort of they do both i guess we have to ask them that's that was my um that was my thought process i wanted to be immersed in this full time so i was going to write but i knew that Writing would not necessarily uh, pay the bills full time. And so I thought, well, I want to be an agent because I love, I love working with words and I love working with authors too. So I could do both. And that would sort of be my full time job. And being an author yourself, does that give you a competitive advantage, so to speak, when you work with authors because you yourself are going through that process and know that process? I know it helps me to, I think, talk the same language as an author um, with clients because I get where they're where they're like I'm huddled in a corner and I can't go, you know, I can't figure out this plot. I like I've been there and I know that, and this is how we're going to work it through. So I think it, it helps because you can be on the same page. The last question is the most important one, Harry. Could you please pass me the envelope? <laughs> He's passing me the envelope. I'm opening the envelope. 
And the last question is, did you have fun today? Oh, absolutely. Yes, that's our goal. Well, thank you, Kate. This has been a lot of fun. I hope you had as much fun as we did. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.